Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This week, we're debuting a brand new three-part podcast series with Quentin Tarantino and Amy Nicholson called Quentin Tarantino's Feature Presentation. Here's a quick trailer with more info. If you go to Quentin Tarantino's new Beverly Cinema in Los Angeles, you're going to hear that feature presentation song. And when the movie starts, you're going to step in to Quentin Tarantino's brain. If you own a movie, you own a print of a film, it feels like it's your movie. Consequently, it's like if people really like the movie and they go, wow, that movie was terrific. You know, my response was, oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> it was like I, I took credit for it because, well, it was my print. So, and, and, I, and I put the whole thing together to show it. So I, I actually felt like they were complimenting me. This is Quentin Tarantino's Feature Presentation, a new three-part podcast miniseries hosted by me, film critic Amy Nicholson of Unspooled and Halloween Unmasked. Before the release of his new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin and I sat down to talk about five films that he's programmed at the New Beverly, and we wound up talking about his life, his work, and how this movie-crazy kid became a director who defined a generation. Waiting for the lights to go down, and no one knows what to expect. Is this going to be one of those special times? Is it not going to be one of those special times? Is it going to be a forgettable time? The first episode of Quentin Tarantino's feature presentation is out later this week. It is the closest thing to sharing a bucket of popcorn with the man himself, so subscribe now wherever you hear podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Climber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Candyland. Kevin! <laughs> Verno! What's going on? Well, it has been slow times in the NBA, and mm. as we get to this part of the calendar, what always takes place is if something happens it becomes a much bigger story than it normally would because there's nothing going on. And such <laughs> and such yep. was the case. I mean, it, it feels like it would not be a big story at all. Instead, because it is something that took place over the course of the last week, it becomes a focus of all the debate shows, and it becomes big on social media, et cetera. And that is Jeremy Lin uh, at a motivational speech in Taiwan for the Christian outlet Good TV the clip surfaces of him saying in English, there's a saying that uh, it says, once you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. But rock bottom just seems to be getting more and more rock bottom for me. So free agency has been tough because I feel like in some ways the NBA's kind of given up on me. And Jeremy Lin has clearly been a famous figure within the NBA since Sanity. But this story is one that would kind of happen, you'd see the headline, and then it would pass. But because it comes in a dead part of the calendar, it is something to latch on to. This creates a wide range of opinions and a lot of talk, conversation about this. And it feels like it's coming down on one of two sides. There's some that say... It's great that now players feel comfortable in showing their emotions and this is proof that you know money doesn't bring happiness and you know he just won that championship ring with Toronto. There's there's one side saying 
oh, yeah, we should all be so rock bottom. Like, give me a break. There's guys that are living on the street, for goodness sakes. Give it a rest, Jeremy Lin. And then there's another side saying, hey, this is what we want. We want people to be vulnerable. We want people to be able to express how they actually feel. And so praise be to Jeremy Lin for telling us what his reality is right now. Um, And then it becomes this talking point. So you saw the clip, inevitably, like everybody else. What'd you think? I really appreciate Jeremy Lin's vulnerability in that statement that he made. I mean, like the full context of that, I don't feel like got enough. Uh, I mean, this is typical in any type of media, whether it's sports or politics these days, but I don't think the full context of his statement really got enough press. Uh, uh, he really went quite in depth into not just how like, woe is me, woe is me, it's the end of my career, but just the trials and tribulations of fame and the whole journey um, and all the hits that he's taken along the way with the injuries and everything else. Um, it wasn't just the rock bottom statement, and I wish that part got talked about a bit more. And in regards to you know Jeremy Lin, it's like, no surprise it's the end here for him. I mean, for two reasons. For one, with the way the NBA has evolved, players of all shapes and sizes are handling the ball now, which has diminished the importance of needing like a traditional backup point guard like Jeremy Lin is at this stage of his career post-injury at 30 years old. That's just the way the game has changed, and he is one of the many victims of that evolution of the league. Um, but other than that, it's like, I don't feel bad for Jeremy Lin. I think right now he's just coming to terms with just how brief a career is and that at 30 years old, now comes the point where what's next in my life? This is all I, all I have known for the last seven, eight years, the NBA, and that's what always what the dream has been. So now is it, do you go play international basketball? Do you retire and focus on, uh, I, I believe he might have said, focusing on his Christianity is something that he might also do next, but it's like, this is what so many players face is what's next after their career when this is something that they've they've targeted their entire life as the career that they wanted. And for him, now it's about what's next. And so that that's where I ultimately am. That it's like I don't feel bad for him because all the success that he had, the amount of money that he earned, the amount of success that he had, the inspiration he served as and continues to serve as for so many kids around the world um, as a point guard that has has accomplished everything that he has. There's nothing to feel bad for. It's that, if anything, he should feel proud, and I think he will at some point. But right now, we're witnessing a window into a person coming to terms with the end, likely the end of their NBA career. Yeah. And it's because of the timing of it all. And because he is in front of a huge crowd in Asia, you know, I mean, there's, there's a level of embarrassment, humiliation, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like this is a hero and here he is standing there. He doesn't have a team. And I don't think anybody can understand the level of coverage that somebody like Jeremy gets. Um, there's tons of guys in the NBA that never have their moment in the NBA. There's tons of 30 year olds in the G League still fighting to yeah. get their moment. And so I do understand what people are like, oh, come on. You made $50 million and you, you know, you're on the cover of the the New York Post. And I mean, you you just won a championship ring as being part of the Toronto Raptors enough already. I get that. There is going to be that segment of the population. The other side is, as you're saying, the coming to terms with it. And I will tell you that I've had an interesting relationship with this type of stuff, not necessarily the coming to the end, but the, hey, you think the guy has everything, but you cannot account for being miserable. And I say that with, I got to know Chandler Parsons well over what is now 
a source of mockery. It is now a source of conversation in one of the worst free agent contracts ever given. $94 million and really no, almost no substantial contribution whatsoever. And then this massive celebration when the contract was moved this offseason. But I was around him a lot and watched him you know, trying to rehab, trying to get better, trying, you know, days where he'd say, hey, I feel best I've felt in years and whatever else. But I remember having a conversation with him, an interview I did, and he didn't want to leave his house. And people can say, oh, boo-hoo, I wouldn't leave my house for $94 million. But it, su- <laughs> it sucks when every time you post something on social media, you're just hit with a barrage of people telling you, what a low-life piece of crap you are, and you should pick up your check in a ski mask or whatever else. And then even when you go out in public, people are, like, pointing and snickering. And I know that seems trivial, but, like, he hated it. He hated it. Like, yes, he has tons of money. Yes, he has the houses, the cars, Instagram models, you name it. But he wanted to play basketball. That's what these guys want to do. And he's not able to do it. And he becomes the, he's the butt of everyone's joke. And when he's out on the town, you know, people are pulling out their cameras like, hey, look, here's the bum, the grizzly son. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a fun life. You know what I mean? You can say, well, I'd sign up for that if you gave me that amount of money. But in the end, when these guys wake up in the morning, they want to be able to do their job. They can't. Their body has failed them completely. And you're just the butt of everybody's joke and it feels like nobody likes you you know everybody everybody's mad at you even though there's nothing you necessarily did about it I mean I don't know I think I got a little bit of different perspective on that because they are humans and you know it sucks to not even want to go out to a restaurant or something you know what I'm saying no, no doubt. I mean, like money doesn't guarantee happiness. It can it can only aid in the fact that like there are so many people across the world that that struggle to have electricity, that struggle to put food on the table. So sometimes it's hard to, for people to feel bad for someone that has made fifty million dollars in their career, or somebody like Chandler Parsons that made all the money that he did. It's hard to, to feel sympathy in that sense. But still, problems are relative and. Like I said, money does not guarantee happiness. And for, you know, in regards to Jeremy Lin, like we can't, we don't know exactly what he's going through. He could be going something through something more than it seemed. He could be going, he could just be dealing with it on that particular day. Yeah. I think it's going back there and doing that speech in front of everybody. And you have gone from everybody wanting to take pictures, getting your autograph. The only question you answer is, are you still going to be in the NBA? You know, right? Like that's your life now. I think what, people really want to feel it's like a purpose. And I think for Jeremy Lin and like, this is, I don't know whether this for sure, but I, I, like I said earlier, I would imagine that for him, it's like, well, what do I do now? What is it in my life that makes me wake up each morning? Cause it's not, it's not whatever the money can buy. Like what is it that motivates him to be better, to work hard. And for a long time, that was basketball and the platform that that provided for him. But now there's the big question for something that he's focused on for so long and just put so much energy and heart into what he's passionate about is likely being taken away from him. And I know people can say, well, he can play basketball overseas. He can play basketball in the big three, but that's not the same. 
when the NBA was has always been the goal. So for Jeremy Lin, it's just a look at a, a person, and that's important to remember here. He is a person like you and I and anybody else um, that is having something taken away from him yep. a bit earlier than perhaps he had hoped for, despite all the success that he's had. Um, there's always more. And for him, I, I like I said, I don't I don't feel bad because of all that he's accomplished, but I do feel for him in this moment when you don't know what the future holds. And that's sometimes the scariest part of all. I mean, and it's possible, you know, you, you got all these guys talking about what a great teammate he is, et cetera, et cetera. It's possible he could still end up on an NBA team, number one. He's only 30 years old. Number two, if he doesn't, as you chronicled a little bit earlier, he's not like a dead-eye shooter. He's kind of a pick-and-roll point guard. The, one of the big problems is that he he's not durable. And that's what you need for your backup point guard, right? Your backup point guard is the guy that when your first guy sprains his ankle, when his first guy busts his knee and he's got to miss a couple of weeks, that you're okay with this guy starting for a couple of weeks, which would typically be the case with Jeremy Lin, except he's been injured over the course of the past couple of years. And so with a limited upside at this point and not necessarily being able to be durable. That's the reality of the situation. One thing I also want to say is, I mean, who is better suited now? Like if it doesn't work out in the NBA, it's different for him than some of these other guys. This guy could go become a megastar overseas, like an absolute megastar, Kev. He goes and plays yeah, in China. Uh, I know, but still. What? He- the United States is home. Like this is home. Like, I understand. Going overseas is an entire entire lifestyle change. I understand, but a lot of guys aren't set up to be a superstar elsewhere. Is what I'm saying. This guy could sure. be a superstar elsewhere. Sure, but I don't. I don't think that's necessarily what he wants. He also said in that speech that he wouldn't want his son to make the NBA because he wouldn't want his son to deal with everything that comes from it, like you just talked about, all the pressure, all the fame, and all the negatives that come from it. In other words, he's saying the good necessarily isn't... I'm, I'm not sure if he's saying this, but it seems like he's suggesting that some of the good isn't always worth it because of all the, the negative that comes from it. Well, he's and just down I, right I, I now. Wouldn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that if that's the case, but he's just saying he wouldn't want his son to make the NBA. Yeah, ask him a week after he gets signed, and then find out. You know what I'm saying? If he gets signed yeah, again, he, maybe his tune changed. Yeah, I'd love my kid to be in the NBA. <laughs> he's had a lot of pressure, though. I mean, he's I hurt. can't help but listen to his comments and just think about how it just serves an example of how brief this all really is. For, you know, life in general, like you really have to be here now and, and enjoy every moment. So these years that Jeremy Lin had, maybe there's part of him that is like, boy, that flew by. I wish I took that in more. I appreciated that more in the moment. Uh, I, I I always say this, but don't take your NBA career for granted. <laughs> all right. So Jeremy Lin is one of those guys. I want to pivot into You know, when I heard his thoughts and I'm talking about rock bottom, Mm -hmm. there's always guys that filter out of the league in any given season. You have a whole new crop of young guys. You have guys that come from overseas. You have guys that are signed out of the G League. You have new guys signing two-way deals, on and on and on. And then there are 45 to 50 rookies every year. Yeah. Then once you get to the veterans minimum, that number goes higher. Now there are teams that will take a a second-round guy that has – an amount of upside and wow. Imagine if we catch lightning in a bottle with this guy, we don't know what his upside same way in the draft. People do this on the end of their bench in the NBA. And so there are guys that no longer have roster spots in the NBA. That being said, uh, when I listened to Jeremy Lin talk, I, I went and pulled up the names and I'm like, let me go look at the guys that are still out there, right? That I'm either going to, 
find out like there'll be some story that they signed overseas or there'll be maybe I see him in the big three next year or maybe they're on the sideline coaching for somebody or maybe they're just still going to be out there and they get signed farther farther down the way in the NBA season when somebody gets hurt and teams necessitate someone. Now, some of these guys will for sure be on a team and time has just not been on their side. But I'm going to go through the guys that are available right now and I just want you to check them off. Like if you <laughs> it's think a pr- it's an inspiring list, let's it's an inspiring list, but no, 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 no. But so I want inspiring. you, I want you to, <laughs> Hey, I want you to stop me when you say either I would take a chance on that guy or I think that guy could help me if I'm a good team. Okay. 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 So I'm stopping you yep. when you say a guy that could help or that you think is worth taking a crack at because He's young because there's these these guys that just ended their like rookie contracts and that might be the end of it, right? All right, so I'll start with some of those. Jarrell Martin, I mean, I covered him here. He he got traded to Orlando. You really started with Jarrell Martin? No, no, no. I'm I'm going with these guys that are like this might just be the end after a first or, you know, minor contracts. Yep. All right, Jarrell Martin, Justin Anderson, Nick Stauskas. I know it's a little bit longer. Can I, can I just say these names you're saying here? I had an executive say to me a couple of years ago, and it's, it's a thought that stuck with me. He said, there's certain players that you're not going to give up on, but you don't want to be the team that's investing the years in him that are going to be required to potentially make him a serviceable NBA player. And those three names you just said all kind of fit that criteria where it's like, maybe Justin Anderson will be an NBA player someday, but I'm not going to sign him. I'm going to let him go play in Europe for three years, and then I'm going to continue to monitor him and then take a shot at him. So I think by passing on them now, it doesn't mean you're giving up on them. It just means you're not willing to invest in them now. Here's Does that a make guy, sense? Yeah, here's a guy whose name came up uh, that I remember liking in college, and I swear to God, I mean, I'm sure that in passing, I've seen him here and there, but I just kind of forgot about him. Jerry and Grant, did you like him coming out? Not really. He was fine. He was solid. You know, I, I liked him in college. He played, he's a solid kid from Notre player. Dame, right? Yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Yep, solid yeah. player. That Notre Dame team. I remember him against Willie Cauley Stein in that in that Kentucky game. Yep. Uh, Iman Shumpert. Iman Shumpert was probably one of the few remaining free agents that actually made a positive contribution last year. Okay. Granted, I'm not sure his three-point percentage. I think he shot 38 39% from three, a career high. That's not sustainable for him, but he's somebody who was at least a positive contributor on the court. All right. Cephalosha? Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to stop at this one because I am going to endorse this. At the end of the season last year, the three most common questions I got regarding the team that I cover all the time was, what are they going to do with the number two pick, which is John Morant? Are they bringing back Valanchunas? And are they bringing back Joakim Noah? I promise you Joakim Noah can help a team. He is an unbelievable locker room guy and energy guy. And I am shocked that he has not latched on to one of these teams. I think it would be big for, especially one of these contenders, to have him. Um, This is a guy that has totally come to terms with who he is within the landscape of the NBA. And I had a very long interview where he talked about how I did. I took it for granted. I took it for granted. Mm. Everything, everything that I had. And I, there is no day that I'm taking for granted anymore. And it is a blessing 
to be in the NBA. And he played that way and he acted that way every day. I am shocked he is still available. He can still play and he could help somebody for sure. If I'm a contending team out there, I would be very excited because I'm telling you, I was around this guy for four months and he is, he is great for a team. He really is. Leader. He's been through it all. He's been on 60 win teams. He's been defensive player of the year. He's been an all-star. He got the huge contract and then he screwed everything. You know what I mean? His, his body failed him. He had tons of surgeries. So Noah, I do think could help somebody for sure. And I still get that question all the time. He was a mega fan favorite immediately. Um, the only place that doesn't like him, Chicago fans love him. The only place that doesn't like him is the Knicks, which understandably. <laughs> um, Ryan Anderson, done. Can't defend. Okay. Uh, Vince Carter, another guy that I've known. Great, great locker room guy and like kind of old sage. Really willing to help young players too. And I know he wants to play one more year, but. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if for him, it's about waiting for the right situation to come up. Maybe so. Um, Maybe so. J.R. Smith, the golfer. Uh, <laughs> the golfer. <laughs> I still can't believe that. You broke my brain when you told you me know, that story last I'm, week. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. I don't know if I'll ever forgive myself, Kevin. So I was at a charity event in conjunction with a golf tournament, and I walk in, and JR's there. And JR is sitting at a table. I mean, he's right, right next to me. He's got a you know, big brim hat on. He is at a table. This was hilarious. Listen to this table that he was at at this charity event for St. Jude. It was J.R. Smith, Joe Theismann, <laughs> David Wells, the former Yankees pitcher. David Wells, wow. And, and Brad Penny, the former Major League Baseball player. <laughs> it was the weirdest table ever. And so there was a huge silent auction that was going on, right? And I said, if I do one thing, I'm going and I'm, getting my, I'm, I'm snapping a picture with J.R., while he's here at this event with us. And so the silent auction is going on. There's all kinds of hustle and bustle going on. And I, I get done. I go back to the table where my buddies are. And I was like, all right, I got to go find JR because I got to send this thing to Kevin O'Connor. This is going to be great, especially because he's playing golf in a pro-am the next day. And so I turn around, go find him. He's gone. Wow. He's gone. Oh, I'd never forgive myself. He had already left. I was so mad. So I was gonna I was gonna hit you with it too. Uh jeez. Yeah. That would have been epic. Yes, I know. It would have been epic. Did you like settle for a David Wells photo or something? No, no, I didn't care oh, about any yeah. of the others. You does know, David Wells still have the goatee? He used he always had a, a goatee. He did have a goatee. Yeah. Does he still have that? Still rocking yes. it? Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of guys there. Ah. T.O. was there for God's sake. T uh, I saw a photo of T.O. It's hilarious. If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh J.R. Smith. Back on a team? <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe or you think a he's team. a full-time golfer? Now. <laughs> Look, a, a lot of these, a lot of these guys are listening. Listening, even Iman Shumpert, who I mentioned earlier. Some of these guys, to me, their options that if you find that your young player that you were willing to take a shot on isn't working out mid-season, they strike me as okay. players that you're more, you're more apt to chase. Someone like Jamal Crawford comes to mind as well in that same category or maybe mid-year you go for him, even a Jonas Yerebko, someone like him as well, where maybe you don't sign him now, but you do during the season find a need in, in a guy who can be a shooter for you and a positional defender. Okay. A lot of these guys left. I don't know, man. Like it, It's it's a pretty uninspiring All right, list. how about this? Lance Stevenson. No. Okay. Sean Livingston is going to be on a team, right? 
he's not good anymore. Mm. But but Sean Livingston himself said in an interview that he wants to go to a team where he can essentially serve as a mentor and play only spot minutes. So he he's one of those guys that understands what he is now as an NBA player. And ultimately, that's the big issue with a lot of guys when they age. Like we're seeing that now with Carmelo Anthony. Chauncey Billups himself said how Melo cares too much about scoring 30 points. Melo has not accepted and acted on the fact that he can still be a positive contributor if he totally buys into busting his ass on defense, rebounding at a higher level than he ever has before. And he's been good in his career in that regard too, but making the right play and evolving as a player, he could still contribute if he did all of those things, but he has not gotten to the the level that he needs to at 35, 36 years old right now. Yeah. Got a little bit of a wave on players going out there with the, like the free mellow stuff and it's ridiculous that mellow's not on a team. Etc. I don't understand. Like these guys play against Carmelo Anthony. They know, they know how horrible he is on defense. <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, seriously, like players know players aren't dumb. Like they, they know. They also know he's better than a hundred guys in a 400 yeah. something league player league. But being better doesn't necessarily earn you a spot. It's sometimes it's about investing in a young player long-term. Are you more willing to sign a guy who's slightly worse than Carmelo Anthony, but is 24 years old and doesn't come with all the the circus that's going to come around the team that signs Carmelo Anthony? Well, here's the thing you know. know. I don't think so. You know that if Carmelo Anthony, if he decides, you know, he could have a whole nother life as an NBA player. He is that talented, you know, and and there's some guys that do and figure it out. Like Like Vince Carter. Like the aforementioned, right. Um, There's a bunch of guys that, you know, figure out like, all right, now I'm a role player and here's how I can contribute to winning. And sometimes it's guys that have gone through the hardship of injury, whether it's like a Grant Hill or Antonio McDice had a really tough injury, but then kind of reinvented himself as like a good pick and pop guy. Penny Hardaway extended his career, you know, guys that, okay, they're not going to be that first team all-star caliber superstar type guy, but they can stay in the NBA and extend this career and play for a long time by doing the things they are really good at or reinventing themselves. Like Jason Kidd reinvented himself and ended up winning a title with Dallas. Yep. And then there's the others, and Carmelo feels more like, or at least that people feel, um, he's more in the Iverson side, right? Like Iverson's career, he absolutely could have played basketball longer than he did. I mean, look, he signed in Memphis. I never saw him play a home game. Because they went on the road at the very beginning of the season. He was playing behind Mike Conley. And after the game, the reporters went to him and they're like, are you feeling okay? And he goes, my butt hurts from sitting on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he said. My butt hurts from sitting on the bench. And he's like, I mean, I'm fine, except my butt hurts. And they were like, your butt? And he's like, yeah, from sitting on the bench. I mean, (laughs) he was was gone. He was gone within a week. He was gone within a week. The hey, NBA needs another Iverson. Like those oh, are some all all time quotes. Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> and I mean, he just was he was not going to be fine with that. And so, if Carmelo mm. Anthony at some point decides he's going to be fine with being a contributor rather than a key player, then he could certainly. I mean, there's he could absolutely play a, several more years. He is a talented guy for sure. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony ultimately just needs to experience ego death. Yeah. Um, and then perhaps at that point, 
Carmelo will be able to come in and be a positive contributor on a good team. Because I still think, I still think Houston was in the right to at least give it a shot. I think they were. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. But I, I thought, considering that system and how funky it is, he was in a perfect situation where he could have served as that big ball handler that they needed. But more than that, being the off-ball knockdown shooter that they need. But he did not knock down shots for Houston. Uh, he has historically That's- been a streaky, up-and-down, spot-up shooter. And he still can't defend at all, partially because of effort, partially because of old legs. Yeah, that's just uh, Daryl. I mean, you know, that's Daryl uh, Morey who will just he'll swing for the fences. You know, he said that. And sometimes he likened the way they think about things to uh, the old baseball player Rob Deere. It's either a strikeout or a home run. And he's whiffed, obviously. (laughs) Look, he whiffed with the Ty Lawson thing that he thought really hurt, you know, a season one year. He whiffed on the Carmelo thing. But, I mean, he still keeps taking cracks. He takes cracks at guys that have been incredibly underwhelming, like, you know, Marquise Chris or uh, Michael Carter-Williams or this year. I mean, I just saw this past week he signed Ben McLemore. What? Yeah. Like, Ben McLemore (laughs) might be the worst player in the league. I mean. You had a Ben McLemore run in Memphis, negative. Net negative he is a net negative end of story like he yeah. just always has like <laughs> what what is he like in the locker room uh, yeah he's a nice guy he's a nice guy. okay all right yeah no he's not a he's not a prick he's yeah, just not yeah, any okay. good i guess that's why i was curious it's not like he's gonna bring a, a negative vibe to your locker room then maybe only 25 26 years old you know Stop. an athlete I'm, I'm just saying Stop. worth a shot for like the 14th 15th you, guy in your bench you sound you sound like daryl and i'm sitting across from you as mike d'antoni like stop yeah, stop, stop. look, the odds are it won't work, but he also signed somebody like Michael Frazier, who's <laughs> had a couple good years uh, in the G League. Michael Frazier was a guy at Florida who was a, a tremendous shooter, uh, someone who could handle the ball a little bit, too. And then in the NBA, like he has failed, but he had some success okay. in the G League and only 25 worth a shot, worth a shot. All right, Kev, we'll get right back to more of these names. First, I want to remind everybody that today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Express. I love jeans. Jay Skeets from the starter shouted me out last week after he was listening to the pod because he heard me say how much I love jeans. He also loves jeans. And if you love your jeans, comfort and fit are important. And Express Hyper Stretch jeans are designed with the highest level of stretch for maximum comfort so you can make moves all day long. Plus, with more sizes and styles than ever before, Express Jeans have the perfect pair for you. Everybody wears jeans, but no two people wear them exactly the same way. Find what fits your ambition, your style, and your life. Find what fits you. Right now, Express is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time offer in stores or online. Get $20 off any one pair of Express jeans when you use the promo code 9994 at checkout in-store or at Express.com. That's Express.com or head to a store and use the promo code 9994 at checkout and receive $20 off any one pair of jeans. Exclusions apply. Today's episode of The Mismatch is also brought to you by Google Fi. Doesn't it feel like most phone plans just weren't made with us in mind between bad coverage, paying too much for data you don't ever actually use, and crazy roaming charges? 
Google Fi is a phone plan by Google made with features that people like you and I actually want. Features like free international roaming, so you never have to worry about calling up your provider to let them know you're going to be traveling, and three networks in one, so you can stay connected wherever you are, from your office to your home to everywhere in between. Google Fi works on your favorite smartphones, so you don't have to switch phones just to switch plans. In fact, it's as easy as just downloading the app, and you only have to pay for the data that you use. Plus, with bill protection, if you ever use a lot of data, your bill is capped at a reasonable amount. Learn more at fi.google.com. That's fi.google.com. Switch to Google Fi, a phone plan by Google. All right, let me ask you about a couple of these guys, and I'm just going to group them all together because these are the big guys. That is boy, this is this is really a late July podcast. Hey, We're talking about Michael Frazier and Ben McLemore. <laughs> this is who's left. All right, are we going to mention Deontay Davis too? Who Here, Houston you also know signed. Hey, I, I, by the way, he's already signed. Another Memphis guy. <laughs> he's already signed, and this is why I'm so diabolical. All right, you ready for this? And Isaac, yeah. Isaac can back me up on this. I am getting all of this. Uh, you want to think that this is just a simple July podcast and I'm doing all this free agency stuff. I'm diabolical with this, Kev. I'm getting this all on record right now. So when mm-hmm. you start kissing the, these teams' asses for signing one of these guys, what? we can go back to this podcast and you can be like, I really like Dude. the Amon Shumpert signing. I really like the Ryan what Anderson signing. About? A stretch four that can really stretch the floor. And, blah, and, and and I'm going to be Ooh. sitting there going, wait, Dude. what? We did a podcast where he told me these guys stunk. We're going to have better <laughs> stuff to talk about than <laughs> Ryan Anderson signing for oh, the league minute let, and not to play any minutes. Let one of your fan bases that love you sign these guys and you'll be there talking about what a good signing no, it is. It's a signing that, oh, let's just say this ahead of time, unless a team is extremely desperate for wing help or yeah. like a guy gets hurt, it doesn't make sense to sign oh, that player God. right now. Daryl, we're talking can- about if you sign that guy, it's a guy who's not going to play in the playoffs. If you sign Iman Shumpert, he's helping you get to the playoffs. That's it. Daryl like Morey could sign Moses Malone tomorrow, and you would think it's a good <laughs> idea. All right. You'd be like, he's big. He can, you know, we might be able to help Dude, veteran Mo- presence. Uh, Moses, <laughs> Moses Malone is dead. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> you'd <laughs> be like you know there's a chance he could come back alive i don't know i mean <laughs> dead moses malone will get more rebounds oh. than deontay will oh um, all right. oh. Uh, oh, hey. whoa that's N- a burn chris hey. wow nene amir wow. johnson costa kufus marcin gortat you like any of them amir johnson's done um because of the phone <laughs> Can you name the others again? Sorry. Nene, Amir Johnson, Costa Kufus, Marcin Gortat. Boy, jeez. None of them. Okay. This is some list. All right. And then the, here's the last uh, one. Timothy <laughs> Timothy Lawalu Cabro. I'm sure you loved him because Sam Hinkie took him. You know what? I, I did love Luau <laughs> of course you in did. the 2016 draft, and I thought he was going to be one of the steals of the draft, and I was dead wrong. I was wrong about Luau. Uh, he stinks, <laughs> but I did like him a lot as a prospect. Still only 24 years old. You know, again, he falls into that category. I mentioned earlier, somebody where maybe if you liked him in the 16 draft, you're not giving up, 
but you're not willing to sign him. Let him go overseas for a while. Let him play in the G League. And then maybe two or three years from now, you take a look again or not. He falls into that category. Yeah, but you don't sign him now. He is a decent. Um, and John Hollinger wrote about this years ago on ESPN. And he called it the second draft. And it is like that type of guy. Like some of those guys that we have named, the Lualu Cabarros, the Jarrell Martins, the Justin Andersons, the, who was the other one that we talked about? Oh, Jerry and Grant. You know, yeah. like, okay, it didn't work out. For whatever reason, it didn't work out with their first team or even possibly their second or third team. And maybe it was because of coaching turnover. Maybe the front office, you know, changed over and they didn't really believe in him or whatever else. And so then what was termed the second draft, it's like, okay, now these guys have been let go by their teams and somebody else is going to give them a crack because maybe it was environment, maybe it was the situation they were in, maybe it was coaching, or maybe they stink, you know? But teams are willing to find out because they had a conviction about the kid four years ago, right? You may end up that as a good candidate for that. Sure. You know, the best ever, well, maybe not the best ever, but one of the best examples of that is PJ Tucker played one year in the NBA, really was not an impactful player. And then he went overseas for five years before coming back with Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And now here he is all these years later and is viewed as one of the better defensive players in the entire league, a leader, one of the more versatile players uh, across the league as well on the defensive end, somebody that has become a mold to strive for in your role players who are those six, seven, six, eight wings that are strong and beefy. They can use as a small ball five, or they can use as a three, can use them as a four. And somebody who is accepts their role and understands what their role is on the team and does not necessarily push outside of what they are good at. PJ Tucker has become that player after five years overseas. And that that's, he's just one of, the many examples of why you can't give up on guys even when they're gone. You can always pluck players away overseas. All right, Kevin, I do want to ask you one last thing before we uh, get out of here today, and that is that since we have last spoken, the NBA win totals have come out in Las Vegas where people go and put money on these. Now, we will for sure talk about these much closer to the season after things have shaken out completely, but when they were posted, and as of, I I will give you some of them as of today, and these were updated as of July 28th. Um, I'll just go with the numbers that are at the Westgate right now. The Bucks, 58 and a half wins. Sixers, 55 and a half wins. Clippers, 54 and a half wins. Jazz, 54 and a half wins. Rockets, 54 and a half wins. Those are the top five right now. Bucks, Sixers, Clippers, Jazz, Rockets. Do you agree with Vegas that those will be the five best teams in the league? I think the Lakers are underrated at 49 and a half. I would bump them up. You would? Yeah, I would bump them up. I would. Okay. But I mean, it's like, we, was it last week we talked about the Lakers or the week before, regardless? Yep. Whenever it was that we talked about them, I, I think they have sort of been underrated. I think their role players have been underrated. They have a lot of knockdown jump shooters. I think LeBron James is somehow become slightly underrated. People act like the end is here just because of 60,000 minutes, just because of the injury last year. We've been doing that for years in the NFL with Tom Brady, and it's very possible we'll be doing it for years with LeBron James as well, uh, assuming that the end is coming. Until we see a significant decline, I'm not ready to even explore that conversation. And AD 
the last year he was fully, fully actually playing functional basketball with a team around him. He was maybe the best player in the league in that 17-18 season. So pairing LeBron James and AD alone should have them over 50 wins. Like to me, if you're placing a bet on over-unders, I'd be hammering the over on the Lakers right now. You would be, okay. And they are yeah. right now sitting at 49 and a half. I guess some books have them even. There, theirs fluctuates a lot because there's a couple other books that have them at 51 and a half right now. Still, um, rel- relative to others, though, they, they're still not in the top five in any other book, though, I don't think. Yeah. I, I well, And a lot of these teams that have made the improvements, they are projected like the Bucks, like the Sixers. Like all these teams have made improvements in the offseason. And then the only one, you know, of the top teams, the only season win total for next year that is lower than the number that they won last year is the Nuggets which is a little surprising to me because I do think there's something to be said for bringing back continuity. You know, that feels underrated to me that like there's always a learning curve. There is always a figuring it out that takes a little while, whereas the Nuggets should be able to come in two barrels loaded because it's their team and they were awesome last year. So I'm a little bit surprised that their number is, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it should be because other teams improvement has been so great, right? Is there any team on that list that is obscenely underrated or overrated in your eyes? Uh, I would say the one that stood out to me, there were two that stood out to me. And I mean, look, this is two more fan bases that'll be mad at me. But one of them was <laughs> one of them was the Mavericks. That feels like just that's a bank on Rick Carlisle. 39 and a half. We have not seen Porzingis play. And who else are you in love with when you get past Luca? On that team. I was going to say, Luca. No, no, no. All right, so Luca and Porzingis. Who else? I mean, DeLon Wright they signed, which was that was their big free agent. But, I mean, honestly. Are you telling me, Chris, that you're not betting on Dwight Powell to make a uh, leap this year? No, I think, I think that number's high, and I absolutely, <laughs> I, I, would, I would much rather have the Pelicans roster. Much, much rather. Well, you know, and that's the interesting thing here with, with some of these over-unders. I feel like the Pelicans are the name that sticks out to me at, at 39. So Pelicans are at 39. Mavericks are at 39 and a half. But like you said, I'd rather have the Pelicans roster, the depth of that roster. But I do think the upside of the Mavericks is higher simply. Maybe it's not, but, but simply because what we've seen from Luka Doncic, simply because of what we've seen from Kristaps Porzingis. But the downside is probably more significant, too, uh, because they don't have the amount of quality depth that New Orleans has. But the Mavericks do have one guy, though, that the Pelicans don't have, Chris. They have Boban. They have Boban. Stop. That's the difference. With no, the I knew. There. I knew that when I made my statement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one that was high to me, how are the Wizards winning 28 games? What? <laughs> they're in the e- they're in the East. <laughs> I, I don't care. Well, I mean, they also have Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal's really good. Yeah, I know. Once you get past him, it's like, okay, the other guy I liked was Sadoransky. He's gone. <laughs> like, I mean, they drafted Hachimura and Admiral Schofield. They've got, like, I just, I look at that roster and I'm like, what? How are they winning 28? I thought that was high. Maybe. Maybe. Isaiah Thomas. A guy I think everybody's rooting for. Maybe Isaiah Thomas has that comeback season. And I, and I hope, like, this is sort of like a good way to put a bow on that Jeremy Lin conversation. I, I hope for Isaiah Thomas, this isn't it. 
I hope this isn't his last chance. I, I hope that with this opportunity he'll get with the Wizards, with the minutes that will be there for him, really just competing against Ish Smith, uh, who is going to play a young player like Troy Brown, another ball handler. Isaiah Thomas is going to play for this team. And hopefully he's able to find some level of success that he wasn't able to find since he's his days in Boston because it did not go well in Cleveland. It did not go well with the Lakers. It did not go well with Denver. But I hope he's able to have some success this year with the Wizards so it's not the end for a guy like him. And I'll tell you, another one that stood out to me was the Blazers. Every year I'm like, really? They're going to win that many games? But I mean, they won 53 games last year, and now their total is eight games lower than that. Like, again, I do put stock in continuity. And they've added some of these guys that, yeah, maybe their contracts aren't the best. But, I mean, I like some of the stuff they did in the offseason. I like the addition of Ed Davis. I like the addition of Ken Bazemore. You know, they'll get back their center, Nurkic. Um, And that team was good all year long. It was good. And they withstood, you know, a lot of these teams, they're dead when they lose a player. They withstood injury last year. They went 10-2 and down the stretch. Uh, when one of the big two got hurt and they withstood the Nurkic injury. And so I think you've got to give them credit for the level of depth that they have built there. And I do think that depth is still there. And you've got those two amazing dynamic backcourt guys. Like, are they going to be, I, I suppose that you could not be much worse, but your record could be, but that's, that's a lot of games that they would lose that they didn't last year. And again, they went through injury loss last year in 153. So I do think you got to give Portland a little more credit than they're getting here. Another team with continuity, you know? I wonder how much of that is Nurkic likely missing a, a larger portion of the season. He got hurt at the end last year, and yeah. he was awesome. He was awesome. And not only that, but also like the West is also somehow better. It yes. is stronger, too. But we know that some of these, it's totally possible one of them is a disaster. Though we, you never see it now, but that it just doesn't work like we think it's going to work. And then for sure, a couple of these new put together teams, they're going to have big time growing pains. I mean, even when they put together LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, there were growing pains. And like you said last year, you know, if you get off to a slower start, then you're going to look up and you've got a lot of ground to make up. And so if you are, say, Houston, and you go through the mellow thing and you go through the beginning of the season without Bizdelic and you look up and you're 25 games in and you're under 500, well, now it's hard to get to. I mean, they got to 53 last year, but they were uh, you know, on fire from January on. And that's what it takes to get to that number. So I just think you need to give a little more credit. The, the two of those teams that I mentioned, the Nuggets and the Blazers, they need a little more credit for just bringing back continuity and that they should be able to get off to a fast start at the beginning of the season. And some of these teams are going to lose games because they haven't figured out who gets the ball in the last five seconds. They haven't figured out how they want to function. I mean, it takes there, there's a lot of minutes you got to play together for everybody to figure out who's sacrificing and what role I'm playing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know. I think maybe some of these teams bringing back guys are a little underrated than the teams that are throwing together a bunch of guys, new guys, you know? 
will be interesting, especially in regards to Portland with Hassan Whiteside maybe being more motivated, more motivated than he has been in years. That maybe that the people who are projecting these wins are looking at Whiteside's recent past production rather than maybe from a couple of years back when he was playing motivated basketball for the Miami Heat. And that's likely what you're going to get moving forward with Portland because a motivated Hassan Whiteside is a good basketball player. And that's something that I don't think should be overlooked, that he can still make a positive contribution when motivated. It's just about how long is he actually going to stay motivated on the court. I don't know. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Oh, and by it, the way, it is. happy belated birthday. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate it. Did you get any presents? Uh, just a, like a Trader Joe's gift card. <laughs> <laughs> um I got uh, ice cream with my mom. I, I'm going to see The Lion King today. There you go. My parents, my, my dad's feeling pretty good today, so we're going to go see a movie. Going to see The awesome. Lion King. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I will have to get a Lion King review from uh, Kevin Osimba next week. Yes. Have you seen, <laughs> uh, last week, I went with my dad to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you, have you seen that yet? I have not seen it yet. No, uh-uh. I would go check it out. Really? It's really, really, really good. Really, really good. The I know a time, lot of people say how it's like not typical Tarantino and yeah. all that, but I think that's fine. Like, what does it matter? Yeah. I think I've only been to the theater, I think, one time this summer. I went and saw Toy Story 4. I loved it. I got to see that. So. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. I thought it was great. I haven't been to the movies nearly as much in the past year plus or so. Uh, yeah, I haven't either. You know, have you been to a movie in L.A. ever? No. I bring that up because it's so unusual compared to movies anywhere else that I've been at. It's like they are super serious, and I like this. I appreciate this. They are super serious about getting there on time. I know Allison Herman from The Ringer said when she saw the the opening screening of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they wouldn't let her friend in because they were like five minutes late. Oh, and they, they, they show these really harsh ads before the movies about not pulling out your cell phone at all. <laughs> like They are super serious about movies in LA, and I love that. I really, really do. <laughs> so it's not like that anywhere else. But um, like people cheer and howl, and it's it's just a great time seeing a movie in Los Angeles. Uh, so I I wish I could have seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in Hollywood, but instead I saw it in Massachusetts, which is fine. Uh, right. Still a great movie, no matter where you see it. But if you're ever in LA, go see a movie. We will. Uh, it's a good and time. We'll get, and I'll make sure we get that Lion King review next yes. week. Kevin, I will talk to you next Tuesday. See you, Chris. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks to everybody for listening to another edition of the Ringer NBA Show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.